okay, so today we're finishing our five-week series, um, How Do I Know I'm Saved? We've gone through a lot of different things. We've talked about different doubts. We've talked about sin. Um, we've talked about struggle, suffering, difficulties in our lives. All these things can make us question whether we're saved and whether we really are with God and belong to Him. And so today we're going to look at the question of how can I know that I'm saved if I can't hear God's voice? And so to answer this question, I'm going to share a brief message, testimony, sermonette, and then we'll have three people sharing as well their testimonies of how they hear God speak to them. Um, so yeah, um, as many of you here know, Carol and I uh, felt a call 15 years ago. Uh, we were accepted to work with Action International Ministries as missionaries in the Philippines. Um, and uh, we responded to that call. It had been something that had stood in our hearts since we first got married in 1999. And by 2007, we landed on this place and we felt that it was time. And over the next three years, we worked through the uh, you know, fundraising process, which is not my favorite thing. Um, some people love it and do it very well. I'm not one of those people, but uh, it was a it was it was a, it was a good time for us. We stretched, we grew in our faith, and we could finally see a light at the end of the tunnel. 2010, uh, we were thinking, okay, finally we're getting close with our with our funds, and we'll be able to go. And these plans are going to come to fruition. And we had friends and confirming our call and all of that stuff. And then our daughter had a reaction when she was eating tilapia one day, and um, she had, we had to call 911 and all of that, and we soon discovered that she had a fish allergy. Both of our daughters actually have peanut allergies, and so, um, you know, these concerns, were our, this is already a concern to our mission, going to the Philippines where peanuts and fish are a big dietary part of the diet. And uh, by November 2010, they came back with a recommendation that we we should, you know, not go to the Philippines and that we should, uh, it was too risky for us uh, and that we should look and change our plans. And so uh, this was probably one of the greatest disappointments of our married life. You know, uh, it was an end of a dream, something that we had thought about, talked about since we were dating. And we need to have an openness to missions and serving God wherever he takes us. And uh, so when that fell apart, it was a dark time for us. It was difficult on our marriage as well. And we began to ask ourselves a lot of questions, you know, things like, uh, you know, what is, why is this happening? What did we do wrong? You know, are we not worthy of the call? You know, what could we have done differently? If we'd done this or done this, we started questioning things. And, um, of course, you asked the question, did we really hear God's voice in the first place? Um, I remember at the time this verse coming to mind that, we re- that was read for us today, John ten twenty seven. My sheep listen or hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And as I thought about that question, out of context, I should, I might add, <laughs> I might begin to think, am I really a sheep if I can't hear his voice, if I'm not wrong about his voice? We put all this time and effort into this. And I began to question whether we really were called. And I suspect most of us here have had seasons like that. Can you just raise your hands if you had doubts in your life? Anybody got a handful of honest people? Okay. <laughs> um, most of us do. I think it's part of, the, it's part of our faith journey. Sometimes we find ourselves in places that don't make sense and we begin to ask these questions. And we find this in Scripture as well, all the way from Adam and Eve, you know, from, to uh, Abraham and Sarah, Moses, John the Baptist, uh, the most famous doubter was Thomas, right? Um, but all these giants of faith had doubts and questioned God. And so I think all of us go through it. And so today, um, you know, as I look at that passage now, 
uh, I don't find it as a discouragement at all. At all, maybe I should have read the whole thing back in uh, 2010. Uh, however, um, yeah, and as I look at it today, and I want to look at it with you because I think it's actually a great encouragement to us. So. Uh, those times when you feel disconnected from God or you doubt his call on your life or you feel like you can't hear what, he's, what he wants from you or what he wants to do next in your life, I think we can do this great thing that we can do. Uh, it's great to come back to this passage. So I just want to look at this passage a little bit more. You know, we see Jesus in the temple. He's walking along. And people came up to him and asked him. They were pressing in on him, asking him, Are you really the Messiah? The text doesn't do it, doesn't, the way it was read, the version we were reading, doesn't really do it justice. They were pressing in on him to ask him this question. There was a lot of, hey, tell us now, right? They were almost upset with him, right? Don't keep us guessing. Are you the Messiah? Right? They were doubting him. They wanted a clear answer from him. Make it plain to us. And Jesus' response, of course, was read, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See, Jesus wasn't the problem in the equation here. His actions and teachings pointed clearly to the fact that he was the Messiah, but they couldn't see it. They were, they were blind to it. Only his sheep could recognize him. So I would tell you this, if you're a Christian and you've heard his call in your life, then you are his sheep. If you followed him, right? That's what that's what verse twenty seven is referring to. My sheep hear my voice. Right? This is not a promise of step by step details of where you go next in your life in your faith walk. This is about your initial call, having faith to believe in him. Right? And if you do believe in him, then you are his sheep. So I hope off the top that brings you guys some reassurance. It certainly does to me. I should have read this in two thousand ten, as I said. <laughs> All right. But so today what I want to do as we look at this passage, I just want to give you three points, uh, three points that I think you can take away. Three ways that we can be encouraged uh, by looking at this passage that we read before. And I think it, it looks, um, it's about going back and to the beginning, when it all started for you, your faith journey. So the first point is if we go back to the beginning of our faith journey, if we reflect back on that time, we can remember the joy of salvation. Right. One of my earliest memories was from, uh, you know, when I was a four-year-old kid in 1978, uh, town and country mall, which is now called Centerpoint Mall. Uh, my parents were on furlough, and uh, I was shopping with my mother at Wolco. And does anybody remember Wolco here? I mean, well, I've got a few people, yeah. And um, somewhere along our shopping trip, my mother and I, I lost sight of her. And it seemed like ages to me, right? And I panicked, and I was terrified. And uh, this is one of my earliest memories, by the way. Um, you know, so you're sitting there, and at four years old that time, it might have been 30 seconds, but it felt like hours, right? Um, but I finally saw her, I finally heard her voice, and I ran and I clung to her. It's an amazing feeling, to the relief that came over me. And you don't soon forget that. And that's probably why that's an important memory in my life, one of the first ones that I have. It stayed with me. Most of you have probably had that kind of experience. Am I right? Who's been lost from their parents? Yeah. A lot of us have. Wondering where they are. I've been scared of my own house when I was a kid. <laughs> Anyhow. This is similar to the, on a lesser scale to the, to the experience and the joy and relief that we have when we meet Christ. Um, and understanding what he's done for us. You know, as we recognize, like the prodigal son does, that we are not worthy of, this, of his reception, all the more the gratitude and the joy that comes from us. 
comes, comes, that we experience as we know that we belong to Him. Uh, for some of us, this experience happens right at salvation. As soon as you make that call, there's an emotional thing and you just totally feel this gratitude. For others, it's not the same. C.S. Lewis, he refers to himself as the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. Right? He went through a struggle with God, you know, an intellectual thing. And uh, over time, he eventually was convinced. Right? The book that he wrote that in is called Surprised by Joy, because over time, he began to come to the place of joy and experiencing that. But that wasn't his first, his first experience. And it won't necessarily be for you. You know, our feelings are not an indicator of our salvation. Right? And the way that we express our faith and our joy and our gratitude can look different from one person to the other. We don't all express it the same way. Some people love to clap and raise their hands and shout loudly and sing loudly. Others don't. But it doesn't mean they don't want, they don't have that same reaction to God. They just express it differently. But all of us at some point will have that experience. There will be a reaction. There will be uh, this understanding of His amazing grace, and we're overwhelmed by that, overwhelmed with gratitude as we think about what Christ has done for us. So if you're a Christian who feels disconnected, if you're doubting your call, suggest you reflect back on that initial moment, those initial times when you were first convinced that Christ, of what Christ had done for you and the gratitude you experienced. You know, why did you respond to Him? Why was it so clear to you? Ask yourself those questions. And trust that when that he did listen to you. If you listened and you had faith then, that you were called. That you are his sheep. Right? Verse 28 of this passage says, I gave, give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. That's the assurance that we have. Right? If we can, we go back to that time. We know that if we said it once, if we reacted to that back then, and we had that, and we that faith that was unshakable, that that's still true for us. We are still His sheep. Second point: going back to the beginning can help us to remember who we are. Sometimes, um, when we feel disconnected from God, and we lose sight of we can, you know, we lose sight of who we are. We start to identify ourselves with other things. When we get, you know, we lose sight of His plan. We lose sight of what we're doing. You know uh, what he wants from us. We start to identify ourselves in other ways, but it's important that we come back. Salvation itself gives us a new identity. Right? We want to go back to that and remember it. So when we respond to God in that call, when we make that decision to follow Him, Romans five eight tells us that we were sinners when He died for us. Right. So there's this change that happens. We go from being sinners. And we contrast that with 2 Corinthians 5 that tells us that we're, we've been reconciled to Christ, that we are a new creation. The old is done and gone with, right? And we become ambassadors for Christ. And we see that, and those are Paul's words. And Paul shows us a clear example in his own life, right? He did a 180-degree turn when he became a Christian, when he decided to follow Christ. So I would urge you to search Scripture and see what it tells you about yourself and your identity. Romans 8 is one of my favorite passages for this. I go there all the time. <laughs> I want to know who I am. And uh, even though your conversion story might look different, your, your response to Christ might look different, these things are all true. And this is what Romans 8 says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It tells us we've been set free from the law of sin and death. It tells us we are co-heirs with Christ. That's a big one. Uh, we are more than conquerors. And that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Those are amazing truths about who you are. 
So hang on to those things. And going back to the passage that we're looking at this morning, he says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. He knows us, right? And we're going to follow him. I give them eternal life, that they will never perish. Right? We, will, we can look forward to eternal life. Nothing can snatch us out of our hand. Nothing can snatch uh, us out of God's hands. And that's who, that's who we are. Right? So if you believe, that's who you are. Remember it. So the first, the first thing when you go back and look is that we remember the joy that we had. And the second thing is that we remember who we are in Christ. So who, who does Christ say that we are? The third thing we can do as we reflect back, and what it does is it helps us to remember our mission. Often when we struggle to hear the voice of God, one of the big things where people are talking about is, what am I doing? What's my direction? Right? We want, to help. we want help making a decision. We thought the plans we made were the right ones. I thought I was going to be a missionary, a career missionary. What happened? Right? Sometimes we're frustrated with the situation that we're in. We feel lost in our life. Looking back to the early days of our relationship with Christ can help us to have a better idea of what that mission is. We were saved for a reason, right? First Corinthians six ten says, "You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body." Your salvation itself gives you a mission immediately, right? And we see this in the Gospels: people reacting to Christ, the disciples as they responded. They left everything to follow Him. Right? That was their initial response. They went from being fishermen to fishers of men. That was that became their primary calling, right? It didn't mean they didn't fish anymore. But it meant that they were, that was the primary thing they were going to do was be, become fishers of men. They were going to work. They were going to serve Christ. And Paul, as I already mentioned, he had the same reaction. I mean, immediately obedient. He has this vision, and he says, "Go into Damascus." That's what he did, <laughs> and he waited there. And then Paul, you see this amazing change. He goes from being the persecutor of the church, and he joins the church. And he joins, becomes a persecuted person. Immediately he begins. As soon as he leaves Damascus, he goes and starts to preach the gospel. And this was what all of us are called for. We're all called to do this. So if you're hearing, struggling hearing God's voice, it's good to go back and to remember. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, he calls us, we're the light of the world. And he commands us to let our light shine before others, that they may see our good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. I would urge you to look for ways you can do this in your life. If you're struggling, look for ways you can serve God. Look for ways that you can uh, you can you can let your light shine. You can you can tell others about it. Going back to the beginning can remind us of what we were saved for. Right? We do have a mission. Hopefully, we can start living it out because that's the most amazing thing you can do. As you start to serve Him, it's the most fulfilling and the most rewarding thing. So today, if you're here and you're asking yourself that question, how can I be saved if I can't hear God, if I can't hear God's voice? I would suggest one thing you can do is go back to the beginning. Remember the joy of salvation. Remember your new identity in Christ. Remember that He's given you a mission. And if you were called and you did believe, just in Jesus' words and find comfort that nothing can snatch you out of His hands. Okay? So that's the first part of our service. Uh, that's my take on, on that question. Now we're going to hear three more uh, testimonies. The first one is from Daniel Vijay Kumar. He's going to show it. We're going to have a video. And he'll be followed by Jennifer Lau and Ron Charles. So they, take, they come and bring a different take on that question.
Good morning, MCBC. Shortly, Pastor Nathan will be preaching to you from John chapter 10, verses 22 to 30, answering the question, how do I know if I'm really saved if I can't hear God's voice? Well, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the elders here at MCBC, and I would like to share with you my personal experience of hearing God's voice. Now, I would like to warn you in advance, it's not as exciting as you might want to hear. I've never heard audible, magnificent manifestations of God's voice or appearances like in the venerable Charlton Heston movies where you hear his beaming voice speaking to Moses. However, I have received dreams, and I'll quickly share two examples. Uh, the first one might be a little embarrassing. So I was a teenager, and I was crushing heavily on this girl for a number of years now. Can you believe it? Um, I had received this dream one day, um, and it left me quite disturbed. Um, it was not a good dream. It was kind of a bit of a tragic dream, and I didn't know what to do about it. It certainly involved this person. This person was there, and uh, I just didn't know what to make of it. Two days later, I received a phone call from this girl telling me that she wanted a, effectively wanted a restraining order from me. She didn't say use those words, but that's basically what she meant. Now, when I re rece received that phone call... I was devastated. I was heartbroken. But I remembered my dream, and the dream completely made sense. And I knew that the Lord had foreshadowed something like this to happen. And seeing, in hindsight, all of this and connecting the dots, that gave me comfort because I knew that this was ordained from God, and this was for the best. And it gave me great comfort and helped me with my recovery. Secondly, many years later, this was pertaining to meeting a need um, uh, for musical worship. Um, there was a certain weekend where I was very, very tired, and I wasn't scheduled to serve on the musical worship team. But I basically received a dream uh, on, I think, Saturday night or Sunday morning, can't remember, um, which basically was very, very simple, kind of weird. Just a white blank sheet and the word Rochelle printed on it. I woke up to this dream feeling very, very energetic and confused what was going on. Well, lo and behold... I looked at my phone, and it was a text from Michelle saying, Hey, the bassist that was scheduled this Sunday wasn't able to make it. Are you able to serve? Remember, I had not known that this person couldn't uh, make it. How would I have known? And remember that I was very, very tired. And I serving on the musical worship team was the last thing on my mind. But this dream from woke me up, gave me the energy, and I couldn't explain why I had this energy. Then I looked at my phone, and then I knew why I had the energy. God was calling me to serve um, in this capacity at MCBC. So the two dreams I've shared, as well as the other dreams I've, that I've had in my life that I have not shared, have never been this big, amazing new calling from God. Rather, they've been simple ways God has either encouraged um, and comforted me, or that he has equipped me to meet a specific need for his church. Now, the second way that I hear God's voice is the most active one for me. I want to be very clear. The dreams and visions that I've shared um, have been super rare for me. But you see, the second way that I hear God is the more active one, and is the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. It's through a small, still voice which prompts me to live a holier life, whether it is by encouraging me not to yield into specific temptations so that I do not sin, or whether it's by convicting me to do something risky and sacrificial in some circumstance. Or it is simply just to encourage me that I am known by my Father as I read through the scriptures, or sometimes even when I read through certain books. This convicting voice of the Holy Spirit is a regular daily part of my life. 
And I therefore wish to encourage you to not chase after lofty visions and special communication or revelation from God. You know, like there's nothing wrong to be open to them. In fact, I would encourage you to be open to them. And it's definitely a good thing to want them. Yeah, Lord, please speak to me if you would like. But I submit that you shouldn't crave them so much so that you would doubt your salvation, whether I'm really saved if I don't receive these visions or these audible voices. Why? Because hearing God's voice through dreams and visions or audible sounds is not a condition for being saved. What are we saved by? We are saved by the grace of God alone in the sacrifice of his son for our sins. And this is available to us through what? Not through audible voices, but through faith. Simple, trusting, believing faith. Not dramatic manifestations of God or dreams and visions. Now, while we do read of such things in the book of Acts, where some people did receive these and therefore believed, these are simply the exceptions that prove the rule. The vast majority of the cases involve the people hearing the preaching of the gospel by the apostles, which is the the voice of God, the gospel being preached of Jesus, the Messiah, the saving Messiah, and then these people believing, hearing and believing. That's it. And that's the vast majority of the cases. Anyway, I won't steal Pastor Nathan's thunder. I'll leave that to him to preach. But I just wish to once again remind you of your salvation and how it's not tied to hearing God's voice in the sense of receiving dreams and visions necessarily. Please be open to them. I hope my sharing of how he has spoken to me and continues to speak to me has encouraged you. Um, I wish to encourage you to be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in you, who dwells in you, and is your guarantee for the resurrection that is awaiting you, and comforts you, and sanctifies you, and encourages you to walk a holier life. And I wish to encourage you to stay um, in the confidence, knowing that you are saved from your sin, so long as you believe and trust in the work of, 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 of the Son. Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you, MCBC. Hello, it's 12.03, so I'm going to say good afternoon instead of good morning to you. My name is Jennifer, uh, and I'm really happy to be able to share with you today a little bit about how I listen for God's voice in my life. So on any given day, I wear a lot of hats, and I think most of us here probably do. So the hats that I wear, well, I'm a mom, and I'm a colleague, and I'm a wife, and I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm our household cook, and uh, sometimes I'm someone's friend, I'm someone's listening ear, or counselor even. And on some of those days, I really feel the weight of all of those hats that I have to wear. And for me, it sometimes feels like one is piled up on top of the other. And on those days, I'm particularly inclined to forget the most important hat that I wear, which is that I'm the beloved child of God. And when my kids were young, often um, I would hear this shout of, uh, Mommy, Mommy. And usually those came at really inconvenient times. I was usually busy doing something, probably cooking, or I was on a phone call, I was doing work. And so I would just ignore it or, you know, selectively not listen to it, hoping that they would just figure out how to deal with it themselves. And then soon it would escalate into a more uh, annoyed sound of, Mommy, Mommy. And then soon it would be a full-blown plea for my attention. Mommy, where are you? Well, I imagine that our Heavenly Father also 
just as persistently, maybe not as loudly, but as persistently calls out to us. And I think at times we probably also try to ignore it or pretend that we can't hear it um, because there are other competing sounds and other activities that are overwhelming us and that are filling up that space that's in our head and in our minds. For me to hear his voice, I must make it intentional to listen. That means time that is carved out where all those other competing voices are silenced. For many years, it used to be during my morning commute time, so when I would drop off my kids at school, um, and then I had 10 minutes before I could get to my office, and it would be the reverse at the end of the day. So I had 20 minutes a day in total. Not 20 minutes of like reading the Bible. Those are other activities also very important. But 20 minutes where I could just talk to God and I could listen for what he would say to me in response. Those moments, although, although they were brief, they helped me to ensure that I started my day and ended my day talking to him and having the silence to be able, be able to listen to what he was saying to me in return. Hearing God's voice is critical to fulfilling all those other hats that we have to wear. His voice keeps our souls, that deepest part of us that longs for connection, it keeps us rooted to the one that created us, and it provides us the strength and ability to do all of those other things that he calls us to do. I admit, I am a chronic overachiever. You may also be a chronic overachiever, and you may also be victim to the need to be productive all of the time. And um, I'm sure on many weekends, I frustrate my family a lot with my desire to accomplish things. And on those days, I particularly need to remind myself that it's enough for me to just be rooted to my maker and to listen for his voice and to not constantly seek to do more and be more than what he has made me to be. In John 15, verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. Simple, right? Just these few simple words give us the instruction for how we can stay rooted to God. One of my favorite writers is the theologian Henry Nouwen. And he often wrote on the theme of being rooted in our identity as God's beloved children. He has a great book called Life of the Beloved. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. He reminds us that God loves us simply because we are his children and not for all the things that we want to do and accomplish. He just wants us to say yes to his invitation to remain in him. This quote from now and often comes to my mind when I start losing my rootedness because I'm not intentional about taking the time to listen and to seek his voice. We are not what we do. We are not what we have. We are not what others think of us. Coming home is claiming the truth that I am the beloved child of the creator. My name is Ronald, Ronald Charles, and I'm from Haiti. I'd like to talk a little bit about journeys. So I came here when I was about 26, um, and I lived in Toronto for many years. I lived in Miami for one year. 
I moved to Nova Scotia for seven years, and now I am back. So how do I know where to go or when to go? I think it's important. And for me, it's experiencing God's peace. And I experience God's peace through the means of listening to others who are much more mature than I am spiritually. I listen to my mother. My mother is a very wise and godly woman. When I was about to leave Haiti with my wife and my two boys, I talked to her about that. And she said, yes, I feel that you need to leave now for your own safety, for the future of your boys. I think this is the time. So for me, and I felt a peace that this is the right time. This is the right moment. When I had to go to work in Miami, I felt it as well. When I had to move to Nova Scotia, I felt it as well. The peace of God, that God is with me. The second thing is, and it is related to what I was saying, is about listening to the voices and counsels of those who are much more mature than I am. So I regularly meet with a Christian counselor, a Christian mentor, at least once a month or um, once every two months. And last week, not this week on Friday, he came to my office and we talked for two hours about everything, about things that may be disturbing to me or things that I'm not sure I understand. So God uses people to talk to me. So I hope that you can take this as lessons that God can talk to you through others and also through the peace that you experience when you go through your own journey. Wow. So three unique perspectives. I probably could have asked each one of you and you would come up with something different about how you hear God's voice. Just a little bit different from the others. But I think we can all relate to those things. They're very practical helpers, I hope. So if you're, in, if you're in a situation where you're questioning God's call or you feel like you can't hear Him or you feel disconnected from Him, listen to the words, the wisdom from our three, uh, our three uh, friends t- today. I'll just go briefly through these things. Daniel talked about dreams. That's one way that he hears from God. Um, but he holds day to day through the Holy Spirit, the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in his life. He warned us against running after the very dramatic experiences. But he doesn't deny those things happen. They do happen. We want to be open to those things. But we're going to, we want to walk day to day with Christ and, and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us. Jen emphasized the importance of intentionally seeking time with God. That God is seeking after us. You know, remembering that her first calling and all of our first callings as beloved child, children of God. That as we, uh, you know, as we spend time with God, and we're rooted in Him, that uh, that helps us to manage all the other responsibilities and hats that we wear in our lives. So it's important to stay rooted in our identity as as children of God. And Ron has just shared here the ideas of going on journey and moving and making decisions. And the importance of peace, making decisions when you feel at peace and not under stress, <laughs> but also the importance of seeking counsel from other people. 
We are here to help each other and to walk through life together. So those are some really important things, and I'm sure there are others out there. If you are feeling like that today, please come into the prayer corner at the end, and we would love to pray with you. But um, I just want to re-emphasize the words from our passage this morning, that nothing can snatch us away from God's hands. So let's, uh, let's pray now. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for uh, those who have shared today and for their unique testimonies. God, I thank you that you, you, have a new, uh, you have unique relationships with each one of us. God, and you do speak to us. Thank you that you have not left us as orphans. But Lord, your spirit is working in our hearts and our lives. Lord, when that becomes difficult to sense, Lord, help us to come back to some of the things. Go back to the beginning. Help us to remember these things. Go back to your word. Help us to go for the counsel of others. Help us to be intentional about spending time with you. God, we lift these things up to you. I lift up each person here today. Be with us and and challenge us, God. Help us to know that we belong to you. Amen.